This is the Run Pod Option. I'm Marty. I'm Kyle. I'm Jeff. Follow us at Run Pod Option on Twitter. Email us, runpodoption at gmail.com. We have a lot to cover. A lot of stuff happened. I'm at a standing desk right now, so I'm excited. Jeff and Kyle, are y'all, are y'all standing up? I'm I'm pacing around my room right now. Oh, do you usually pace when you're recording? I kind of do. That explains a lot. Well, I have no pace, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> Syracuse's <laughs> offense has no pace. Um, that is true. Uh, so if you want to spend uh, 30 seconds on your favorite sack of Tommy DeVito, go. It's It probably is happening right now. <laughs> he's wearing a fucking flak jacket again this week and he got taken out halfway through the game and we got to see clayton welch that was fun it's a monday evening he's in the library studying and someone just comes out of nowhere and just, and just yeah so yeah someone wearing a pit shirt just sacks him in this in the student hall ryan alexander stood up from the desk and got called for false start <laughs> yeah, he stood up as the guy walked right by him and just and nailed his own quarterback. Uh, so the Syracuse game, uh, one of the, the lowest uh, notes because the ACC is crazy. Uh, that shit's crazy, CC. We had... Now oh, let's come on, guys. I'm standing up and I feel good. So <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving it in. <laughs> Jeff, Fine. <laughs> Jeff, Sorry, it's called. Jeff, Jeff, how do you feel about... Uh, Lovey Smith having a key victory before Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I really don't feel either way about it. Uh, it. It was just extremely entertaining to watch that magnificent beard on television. So he's a handsome guy, and that beard is. really is. It really is. Like I don't want to use the word epic because I feel like it's a kind of a lame word to use. It just exudes confidence. That beard. I just feel like he wants to give me some really great life lessons right now. <laughs> yeah, he's the, made mistakes. He'll own up to it. He's going to teach you about the Tampa 2 defense. <laughs> he sits, yeah. yeah. He's, he sits you down. You, you just, you're, you're out there. You're begging for money. You're homeless. And he goes, you know, I, I got something that's worth more than money. And he just gets out a sketch pad and starts <laughs> drawing up the Tampa 2. <laughs> uh, Kyle and I... Kyle and I watched some television, and it was nice of uh, Illinois to do this early in the afternoon and, and make sure you knew that the day was going to be kind of crazy. We ended up tuning in right about the time that Wisconsin decided it was a good idea to keep passing instead of running the ball with the lead. Yep. <laughs> and Cone, they just were going whole hog into, we need to give up this game. Yeah, they're just, you know, we can run it with Jonathan Taylor again, but instead let's give it to our fullback, uh, number 37. And then let's just keep throwing it, even though Illinois has, I, th- I think they had all three of their timeouts at that moment. Yep. They did. And yeah. yeah, it it was it was poor coaching by Wisconsin, it felt like. And without seeing most of the game, a lot of the comments I'm seeing from their Wisconsin's beat writers are players saying that they just weren't, they weren't prepared or Illinois had the exact right game plan. And and I saw one note as far as it was a track meet is what a Wisconsin player said. Do you think it was they're just overlooking the game? Yeah, I don't know. I I think. I mean, they got Ohio State coming up this week. Yeah, I think that excuse is maybe used too much. Especially, I heard the same beat writer mention how 
the linebacker that talked about just how outplayed they got, that he's a very, we're preparing for a faceless team, a numberless team. They're just an opponent. We're treating everybody equal. If that's kind of their bit or their motivation, I would think they wouldn't overlook Illinois. I don't know. It, it seems. You'd think. But... Or maybe, maybe Wisconsin also. I think Bud Elliott from Banner Society said that the collective SN, S&P, I keep saying it without the, with the ampersand, <laughs> the collective SP plus ranking for all the teams they'd played up to this point was something like 94. Like they hadn't really played anybody. Really? And Illinois was like 97, so it's not like it was, it's not like it was a, uh, maybe in the 80s, but they had to have been asleep at the wheel. It's the only thing that can make sense because they are a better team than a team that loses to Illinois. Well, and to be fair, the interception, that was a man-sized interception. I mean, the midfield, falling yeah. backwards. It looked But it great. was also but there was also two other Illinois defenders that could have maybe had a play on it, too. It wasn't it wasn't like it was one isolated insane catch. It was an insane catch into traffic with the Illinois, another Illinois defensive back, another cornerback who was dropping back from another route, and then a Wisconsin receiver. You're, that's fair, but to actually come up with that ball, maybe it was just Illinois' day. I don't know. That, Illinois, Illinois scored 17 points off turnovers. Yep. And let's, I mean, let's not bury the fact that they were down 20 to seven with like 30 seconds left in the third quarter. And you know what's funny is the last when Wisconsin scored their last touchdown to go up twenty to seven at the time, Jonathan Taylor only touched the ball another eight times running. I'm sorry, he I think he caught a couple passes, but he only ran the ball eight more times from when there was ten minutes left in the third quarter on. Like use use what you've got, Wisconsin. It's inexplicable, and this is. This happened last year at least once. I think when they played Michigan, like Chris did the same thing. Like they were gashing Michigan on the ground and he just moved away from it. And it made no sense. Like, you know, I get it if, you know, if they weren't moving the ball well, but every time I watch Taylor touch the ball, he's like automatic five or six yards easy, usually more. So, yeah, I think he was averaging over a touch over four yards per carry. And Illinois had him mildly contained. Yeah, their defense did a good job. Isn't this Wisconsin's M.O., though? You know, every year they look like, yeah, they're going to be pretty good, and then they lose some mind-boggling game. It just feels like that happens every year. Their defense hadn't allowed either, I think it was a play over 40 yards. They've only allowed one, I think, the entire season. And I think Illinois had three against them, which also tells me that Illinois just decided to take the shots. Illinois moves to three and four. Tell me if you think Illinois makes a bowl game. They go at Purdue, home against Rutgers, at Michigan State, at Iowa, home against Northwestern. Uh, if they're going to win six, they got to take out Rutgers, um, Rutgers, Northwestern, Purdue, and Purdue. And Purdue's not awful. Yeah, that I think they. Out. I think they get six wins. I want to see Lovey in a bowl game with that beard, <laughs> especially around <laughs> Christmas time. Especially around Christmas time. Great point. And I think we can put Wisconsin to bed as a playoff contender. I think so. I think that's going to be a little too hard to get out of there. Yeah, and I don't think, I mean, we'll talk about it more, but I don't think they're going to be able to beat Ohio State next week. So, No, I think that's one of the games we have to pick on the pick show. And yep. 
Yeah, I've got a, I've got a note on that too, which is kind of funny. Another team that's I think actually maybe got a chance for the playoff is Florida, and Florida beat South Carolina. Oh man, the Kyle Trask show. show the game so the game was incredibly ugly. Yes, it was also in like a monsoon, so that happens. But the first, it felt like it didn't feel like it was. Florida in the fourth quarter just put all sorts of distance between them and South Carolina. Up until that point, I wasn't impressed by either team. Trask wasn't bad, but he wasn't what he was against LSU. They weren't running the ball like they probably should have. It, it felt <laughs> like just a messy game. It, it was. And, you know, I, it, it, the game was definitely closer than what the score shows. Uh, just because it was a, just a pile-on in the fourth quarter. But I'd like to, to look at that 75-yard run that Florida had because I have never seen a guy completely basically pull a jersey off of a guy's back and then the analyst for ESPN say, you know, I can see why it wasn't a why it was a no-call because, you know, he wasn't affecting the play. Like, because he didn't move, he didn't turn. He was just running with him. And like by that logic, you know, a hold away from the ball shouldn't be called. Yeah, two. There was two penalties that they didn't call in that, in that play specifically. One was the false start on the right tackle, and mm-hmm. then the hold where the guy's running shoulder to shoulder with, like he's like they're a married couple running down the aisle together, has his arm around. The South Carolina defender, but grabbing the back of his his jersey and just holding him. His and, name looked way longer than it should have. Yeah. <laughs> and the referee or the rules guy for ESPN said, well, it seemed like that guy was content to run alongside him. So I don't think that's a penalty. And it was the most blatant holding ever. Yeah. I it's And it's far from... The worst, there was apparently a couple other calls in that game that affected it, if Mm -hmm. you'll ask South Carolina fans. But there's harsh judgment of referees all across the league right now. And I don't know if it's any different than usual or if it just feels louder because we're doing a podcast. I'm looking into more games. But Miami, just down the road, lost to Georgia Tech. And in large, if you ask Miami, other other than them not playing the way they're capable, it was also due to a lot of bad calls by the referees. Well, also their kicker missed two field goals. <laughs> That'll do. <it. laughs> yeah. Like pretty, pretty big chip shots too. Yeah. And we can go right into it actually, Jeff with, with Michigan and Penn state, because after halftime I tuned out, I had, I had another program I was going to watch, but in the first half, you were pretty vocal on Twitter about the refereeing in particular and, and how it was affecting that game. The hardest thing as a fan is to try to separate yourself from, you know, the when you see something that you feel like is just so glaring that you have to try to separate. And it was hard because, I mean, Michigan deserved to lose. You, you know, you drop a touchdown in the end zone to lose the game like you lose. There's no coming back from that, but... Which pray for that dude. That's a yeah, tough Ronnie that's Bell. A, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. a poor that's a poor way to finish a game, man. But I mean, there was a just a couple really questionable plays. Like Michigan uh, Patterson threw like a forty five yard bomb to Nico Collins and he kinda the 
cornerback was kind of fighting him and they the cornerback fell and they called OPI on it, which I'm like it, it's just like you can't have my thing my Twitter storm was about having referees impact big plays and like that's the thing that I think a lot of fans are struggling with like like you said in the Florida game a guy rips off huge play that's clearly a penalty and it's missed or not called and it's you know like you're impacting really serious plays that can change the outcome of games like yeah some of the ticky tacky shit like holding and you know, blocking the back is one thing, but when you when referees are making big impacts on games, that's when I think a lot of fans have problems with it. It's also built into some offenses. There's there's probably five or six plays per weekend that are absolutely called by a team to try to draw pass interference on the defense, and that's that's a strategy because they know that there's a fifty fifty chance with the refs. Even even if it's almost completely obvious that it wasn't defensive pass interference. It's a knee-jerk reaction to throw the flag at that point. Yeah. Right. You ask your receiver to make sure there's contact, to not get too much separation, and ask the quarterback to put it within catchable distance. And maybe you get a defensive pass interference. Yeah, I mean, Michigan did that. I mean, in the second half, I don't think you guys caught it, but Michigan has two receivers that are over 6'3", probably 6'4". And there were multiple times where they were just getting mugged, but Patterson would chuck it and they would get a, you know, a penalty on it. So I think it's, I mean, it's smart. Like you got to use things to your advantage. So if you have guys that are going to get mugged because they're eight inches taller than the cornerback, then do what we got to do. And, you know, I, I think getting back to the whole like officiating, like impacting games, I think that maybe the reason that it feels like it's so everybody's complaining about it. It's so vocalized at this point is the fact that it's kind of going across leagues at this point, you know, between the NFL and college football, even down into the high school ranks where everybody's just mad. We've got the ability for instant replay to really dissect a play. You see that it's not really a flag. You've got now in the NFL, you've got the ability to challenge pass interference, but it's not really being used at all. Um, It's just, you know, it's just, it seems like technology is now getting further ahead than the ability to call a game. And it's just shining light onto these situations. And the refs are almost regressing at that point. <laughs> and they're defending each other. I've seen the hashtag Pac-12 refs, right, for a long time. And then I've also seen the hashtag Big Ten refs for a long time. And then ACC, and then Big Twelve, and then and it's and on, and I don't know if using Twitter as my only source here <laughs> is smart. From a is Always it happening alive. more? Well, and not from is you know is it happening more? But certainly, if nothing else, it feels like it because it's getting yelled at you through Twitter. But I also feel like at this point, it used to be ten or fifteen years ago. I thought the Pac-12 refs were a fucking disaster and everyone else seemed to have a pretty level-headed refereeing situation. Now it's from an outsider perspective. And just what I'm hearing, you know, what I hear from the press and from I hear from ESPN and, and all that other stuff. But it's, there's not a, there's not a conference except maybe the Sun Belt that I haven't heard complaints about. Well, Lane they don't Kiffin, know how to use Twitter. Lane Kiffin got fined 
for, for <laughs> posting that was a, a great picture, picture for posting a picture of refs with uh, a blind CNI dog in front of him on the field <laughs> and tagging the conference <laughs> in it, <laughs> tagging the conference. <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, that was classic Lane, by the Lane, way. I love Lane that. Kiffin's done a total face turn for me, man. <laughs> no, he's a tweener, man. Yeah, he, yeah, he knows when to go heel. He'll, his next job will inevitably when he takes the USC gig. Well, no, when he makes when he goes to Tennessee for his second round for one more year. <laughs> yeah, just that he, he actually saves him this time. He's like, no, for real though, this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so we have we have Baylor that's still undefeated. We have SMU yeah. that's undefeated. We have what App is- State that's also undefeated. I'm going to focus on SMU for a little bit, if y'all don't mind. You have the floor. Yeah, so it's tough. I feel bad every weekend when... I, I, I say I feel bad. I don't. I feel great that SMU's winning. <laughs> but, it, it, but it sucks that all our teams aren't winning. That's, that's always frustrating because it's just like, well, uh, Syracuse looks awful. And Michigan, <laughs> Michigan blew another big game. And like, I'd really like to talk about the other side of that instead. But I was very nervous about the Temple game. If only because... Them beating Memphis was, in hindsight, and at the time even, a very big win. And Temple's a really good team. And I expected their defense to not shut down SMU necessarily, but I definitely didn't figure what would happen happened, which was SMU, in every aspect of the game, just dominated them. SMU was hitting field goals. They were hitting their extra points. And that is the hardest thing to do for the SMU right now. They were passing all over Temple. Temple was constantly stepping in their own bear trap, just dropping passes over and over and over again. I think it says a lot about SMU that they are well-prepared, but I don't think they got the best Temple game. I'm sorry. I don't think they got the best Temple team. And I think even if they did, they probably edge out a win there. But I'm still really nervous about SMU. And out of the Baylor, SMU, App State, and Minnesota... Uh, I still think SMU maybe loses first. Maybe Minnesota. Who does Minnesota have coming up? They have garbage. They play Rutgers this week, didn't they? That's yeah. It's really it's frustrating <laughs> when I want to watch a Minnesota game, and then they play Rutgers, <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, I'll, I'll sit this one out. Does Rutgers somehow play every team in the Big Ten? Like, is that a thing that's happened at this point? It seems like every time I look, they're, I feel like they've played every big team in the Big Ten this year. Hey guys, so after Jeff dogged out Minnesota, the recording stopped for him, and that's probably what he deserves, but unfortunately, that's not what you guys deserve, and we lost 20 minutes of recording because of it. I'm sorry, the pick show will be released on Wednesday. I appreciate y'all's patience as we kind of figure out some of these technical difficulties that we're having because we all are recording remotely. Thanks again. Follow us at RunPodOption on Twitter.